Alrighty, you're listening to the NCC Sports Podcast Spectacular. Did you do that butchered. out of order yeah, on I figured, purpose? I figured I would just butcher it on purpose this time just because I've been doing it on accident. I might as well just turn it into this. You're listening to CNC Podcast. <laughs> oh, 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 Lord. I'm just kidding. Third time's the time. Third, third time is the charm. You're listening to the CNC replay. Oh, God I'm bless. Chris. I'm exhausted. I'm Noel. I, I'm I am Corey, and I've had it just about up to here. <laughs> For those of you who can't see, which is all of you because we don't have a video, that's pretty high. That's about the highest I've seen Corey go. Oh yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> just kidding. Never. Never ever. Not once. Straight edges they come. It's <laughs> okay. true. It's true. It's true. Fact check, Mister, 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 Mister. Wonderful. Uh, we are all feeling pretty good this weekend. Um, Noel's uh, dying. Everybody. Noel is dying. Dying. I'm not feeling good. <laughs> Noel's not feeling good. She's feeling spectacular. Who are we kidding? Noel's going to carry this whole thing today. She's dying. This uh, will be in memoriam of uh, Noel. <laughs> Towards the end of this episode, I'm coming to you from beyond the grave. Unbelievable! I know the dedication to this podcast <laughs> is unmatched from Noel from the grave. Mm-hmm. She's if I was going to haunt any two people in the world, it would be you two. So Dude, that would suck. I don't want to. <laughs> I already have trouble sleeping as is. You're just gonna. I'm just gonna have to worry about Noel. Just like coming through like a wall in my house and be like, ah, and I'll be like, ah, it's fun time for me. No, it's something. Do you, do you guys think, okay. So theoretically say if we did do one, we did do a show from heaven and we had Jesus as our host. What sport do you think he would talk about? I think he's a soccer fan. Jesus is definitely a baseball fan. Hmm. Noel, do you care to weigh in? I don't know. Um, I wonder because it was during that time, the Roman Colosseums, I'm thinking like wrestling. I'm thinking like fencing and sword fighting, maybe not as much blood as you would have in like gladiator times because that, you know, violence is not the answer. Um, Sure. But like, I'm thinking something a little less ball focused and a little bit more like person on one on one kind of thing. what's What's the number one Jewish sport? Because Jesus was Jewish. I I could not tell you that. Well, someone better figure that out. We need we need someone like on a computer at all times just to be like, what's the Jewish number one sport? What is he? <laughs> I, I don't know why. <laughs> I'm just we, have to, we have to be very careful here. We can't. We have to. Yeah. We Yes. We're, like what, what, is, what is the national pastime for national the, sport? Of... The Israeli people. I'm I'm looking at what the national sport it is the most popular sports in Israel have traditionally been football which the is soccer, soccer and basketball. Oh. Hey, I know. Dude, I could totally see Jesus dunking on people. <laughs> I mean, historically he probably would have been about 5-6, so I don't know if that's a thing that's happening. Oh, that he's cro- he's he is busting ankles out there. <laughs> Good grief. Go. Well, okay. Well, this this is actually works out well because it is. Are we talking about busting ankles? We're jumping right in. No, 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 no. We're 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 going straight into this. So everybody, <laughs> it, it, probably the majority of America this this weekend, um, 
I literally left my house three times this weekend. I watched 40 plus hours of basketball alone. I, I, I woke up at 10 o'clock on Friday. Um, and then I made like breakfast or something prepared, got my, I had three TVs set up in my living room and I watched basketball from noon to 1am on Friday. And then I did it again the next day. And then after that, I went to church and I watched I watched the the uh, round of thirty two games on Sunday. And then after that, I worked on Monday. And then I watched basketball until twelve forty five the next. So I, I have watched so much basketball. But the point I want to make is, if you were a Christian school this weekend, odds are you you beat up on <laughs> on some on some teams that you had no business. I mean, Illinois was easily like this the best team or the hottest team coming into the, the tournament, Sister Jean, the Slayer of Souls, knocks out <laughs> knocks out uh, the fighting Illini, and it wasn't even close. And then I saw a tweet. It was like, you know, who who the heck schedules a game against a, against a Catholic school, or I, I guess they're a Jesuit school, Loyola, Chicago, on a Sunday afternoon? I mean, you're just setting yourself up for some <laughs> some failure there if you're an Illini fan. Like that, that was the most staged. We all know upset. who's watching. But dude, Sister Jean is a force to be. Oral Roberts, they beat the Buckeyes. That was mm-hmm. pretty awesome. They had some again, some five foot six point guard who was just unstoppable. He like he scored like no joke a hundred points. He's his last name was like spelled like Abmas, but it's pronounced like Abrams or something like, no, it's spelled Abrams, but it's pronounced Abmas, which I I don't, I don't know. I don't know that just take my word for it. That's how it is. But now they're in the sweet 16 and the out of nine big 10 teams, the only one standing is my beloved Michigan Wolverine. So we just got to carrying the big 10 flag. Isn't this like the first time since 1999 or something that four double digit seeds have made it this far? Yeah, I, no, I think I read that somewhere. No, you're That's correct. Crazy. This this That's was insane. This has been like the most upsets in the first two rounds of the tournament, like ever. Like on on Michigan's bracket, you have UCLA, who is an 11 seed, playing a two, and then on Baylor's bracket, you have um, wait, no, not Baylor's bracket. Um, it was Illinois' bracket, but since they lost to Sister Jean, um, uh, they have Loyola Chicago, who's an eight, and then they have who's Loyola playing? They're playing like they're playing another eleven seed or something like I that. Have it right here. One yeah. Second. Is it is it Oregon State? Ooh, what? One second. I'm sorry. I had it right here. Loyola is playing Oregon State. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So. Loyola is going to win that game. Um, and then Houston, who I don't think is is that great. I think they're a little overrated, is is no. the two seed in that bracket. So I very you very well likely see like a double-digit seed make it to the Final Four this year just out of sheer how many upsets there were. And Oral Roberts is – I think they're, they're playing another double-digit – or are they not playing another du- double-digit seed? Are they playing Syracuse – or I just playing Arkansas. Arkansas. Arkansas is not that good either. But what do I know? No. I don't know anything. They're a three seed though. You just watched kinda... forty hours of basketball over the yeah. Week. They <clears throat> they squeaked by Texas Tech. Texas Tech had two opportunities to tie the game and they missed the layups. Yeah. <laughs> so I, 
I mean, yeah. and and Colgate, who played four teams all year, no joke, literally four teams Colgate played. Um, they were winning at halftime, and then they just fell apart because Arkansas is a, a bigger and faster team. But beside the point, um, I watched 40-plus hours of basketball this weekend, and it was lovely. So that's how I'm feeling. And the Wolverines are in the Sweet 16, and um, no one's going to stop them. And I don't believe that, but um, I'm, I'm jazzed up. I, I did not have a fun time watching them play LSU yesterday. I was so stressed out. I think I lost 20 pounds. <laughs> Almost pooped my pants. <laughs> <sighs> so that's that's how it is. But this podcast is, is not a madness. That, yes, complete madness. This podcast Beyond. is not about college basketball be honest Corey, did you do the did you do the whole phone and the phone in the bible sunday morning games at church i did not actually because because <laughs> the uh the loyola chicago illinois game started at like 12 15 we got out at like 12 30 so like, i checked the score i checked the score immediately after like i was like what's going on and then i was like, <gasps> I was like oh no loyola's winning what no way <laughs> but <laughs> beside the point anyway we are not a we are not a college basketball podcast. We are a major, four major Detroit sports podcast, which, you know, is still important. There's things happening, even though March is dominated by basketball. But I think we need to start with the Lions because, I mean, yeah. we're, we're seeing a, a facelift of this franchise before our eyes. And oh, yeah. I think the biggest thing, one of the biggest things that happened was uh, the Galladay signing. Um, and he yep. signed a four year deal, what was $89 million? For, is that all for four years? Um, something pretty close to that, I think. But he signs he signs with the New York Giants, which I I don't really understand what Galladay is thinking on this one. I mean, I get that he didn't want to be here, but if you wanted to go like play for like a good team, why play for the Giants? Yeah, I mean, I guess the NFC East is kind of a crappy division, but um, and and. Why did we just lose all of our best receivers to the New York Giants, the New York football Giants? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't know. Oh, no, 70, 72, $72 million for four years. So what, what what's the what's the numbers on, on that per I year? I got that. That is $18 million. Okay. So that was about what the Lions offered him and what he turned down. I think he might have turned down 19. I'm not sure. Again, we need a fact checker on wow. this. We, we don't have the budget, but he really did not want to be here. Um, so out of everything that has happened with the Lions, I, that one still is kind of a head scratcher to me um, of why a team, you know, why the Lions wouldn't just tag him and then send him someplace else. And then they, they get a, you know, a good opportunity to um, sign him long term after that and get a head start because um, the Lions will get a third round pick for this. We all kind of knew that, and that's kind of the deciding factor of why they didn't sign him. But still, and I, we talked about this on a couple of weeks ago. But now that you know the signing is official, we can yeah. we, we can sort of think about this critically. Um, so again, I don't I don't get why he would go to the Giants. Maybe he solely was looking for money, and you know I I wish him the best. But still, um, just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me other than money. And uh, we offered him that same amount of money. Uh, so if he if money was really the the deciding factor, why wouldn't he just sign with Detroit and stay? Because he's not going to win anything anytime soon in New York. No. So I don't no, I don't know what you guys either. think, but well, I I, th- I don't think Daniel Jones is anywhere good, uh, and I think Saquon is injury prone. So you're 
kind of screwed there. <laughs> and so I, I mean, I, it doesn't seem like it was a money thing because he really could have gone anywhere, in my opinion. So I don't exactly know why the choice was for the Giants, but maybe he knows some we don't. Maybe he has friends that play for the Giants. I mean, that's kind of my only thought is why you would choose there. But kind of sad. Kind of sad. I want. I would love to see him on a team where like I could have watched him, like or I would have wanted to watch him. Like who? I don't know who wants to watch the Giants. I don't. I mean, I. I mean, really I anybody I would, in New York? Yeah, seriously, exactly. And you're splitting between the Jets and the Giants, so it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I. Uh, I would have loved to see him go somewhere else, somewhere more proficient, where he would have been a contender, but. That's just my two cents. No, I, I, I agree with you. I think uh, just looking at the facts, it's solely based off of money um, and yeah. well, and money and not wanting to be in Detroit because uh, he turned down that exact same offer um, that we gave him. Um, but still, you, everyone was saying, like, oh, it was the Patricia thing. Like he didn't want to be here with Bob Quinn and Patricia. And I understand that. Stafford even said that. He didn't want to go back to New England because Patricia was there. That was the that was the only team that he said no to. It's like, do not trade me to New England. I will not go. And so they oh, didn't, yeah. and now he ends up on the Rams. Um, another thing I want to talk about, because um, honestly, probably one of the most underrated wide receivers in the league was Marvin Jones um, for Detroit. Yeah. And I, I distinctly remember when the Lions signed Marvin Jones. He had like a I feel like he had a super long career uh, with uh, Cincinnati um, kind of behind AJ green was under his, you know, his, his, uh, his spotlight or whatever. Um, and I thought, I thought when he was signed, like he was like a hundred years old in Detroit um, before he started his contract, but he was not. Um, and dude, Marvin Jones absolutely balled out when he was here. I mean, he was, he was about, the closest thing that the lions had to a security blanket outside of Kenny Galladay. Um, um, when he was just catching all those passes. And I, I mean, it, it's unfortunate because I don't think he got any of the accolades. He didn't get any of like the NFL recognition, but uh, quietly under Galladay and Marvin Jones, we had one of the best receiving cores in, in football. And like, I, I mean, I, I, not the main guys, but a lot of like the NFL slappies who are like, oh, the Lions aren't as bad as they think they are, or as the rest of the league thinks they are. They're like, dude, the Lions have got a great receiving core. And um, our fact checker that has now been hired um, has told me that he spent four years uh, in Cincinnati, and it literally felt like he spent 40 years in Cincinnati. And I was like, why are we signing this old guy? But then absolutely balls out and yeah. does, does the thing. And he goes to the Jaguars, which – I can understand why he goes to the Jaguars. They have a completely blank slate. Urban Meyer bleh, is down there. Um, and they're going to get Trevor Lawrence. If they don't get Trevor Lawrence, then I don't know what the heck is going on. But still, like yeah. all the all like the marquee free agents are like flocking to Jacksonville right now. Um, and it makes sense. Um, so I, I don't know. Maybe that was just me thinking that he was – he was older than he actually was when he was here. I, he's only 31 years old right now, which it, it really isn't that old. Um, yeah. And he was 25 when he, or 25 or 26 when he got here. Um, so 
I, I mean, Marvin Jones is kind of a, an enigma because I thought he was an old man, but I mean, maybe he's just going to be an ageless wonder. And uh, I think well, his deal was for two years at 14 and a half million. Um, that's a great signing. And I think he'll be, I mean, they've got a couple of young wide receivers, but he'll easily slide into that number two or even number one role. Um, and that's exactly what Trevor Lawrence needs. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is going to have a situation where he's going to go into Jacksonville. There's so much hype surrounding them and he's going to have all these weapons to his disposal. Uh, they had Chenault who was there last year. He was pretty good. Um, and then they added uh, Marvin Jones. And I think they got another wide receiver. I can't remember who that was, but he's, he's going to be set up for the most success. You know, in the NFL, when you get all these new quarterbacks, they kind of get thrown to the fire and it's like, Hey, you got to make us good. Jacksonville's kind of creating this thing um, where they're where they're building talent before they even have their quarterback, which is crazy. And I think they're going to be, I think they're going to make some noise. So I'm buying into Jacksonville. I think they're going to be yeah. really, really good. I don't know what that has to do with the Lions, but other than that, um, just kind of seeing where the where the pieces are going um, is uh, is interesting. If 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 I had the decision between Galladay and Marvin Jones, I would have kept Marvin Jones. Just solely based on, I think he's cheaper and he still has fantastic talent. He has fantastic talent. I thought that the Lions were going to keep him as the number one receiver. And I'm a little shocked that they did send him to Jacksonville. With that being said, though, now we don't have a number one wide receiver, which makes me think we're going after Jalen Waddle in the draft. That's my two cents. Just because we need a number one. We need a number one wide receiver and he kind of fits the bill. But I know, I know that's a very that's a very uh, no, I, controversial I, statement. But I like I, I don't see them going defense now. I, I really don't. I like what you're saying. Like it, I, I think the 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 draft changes every day. Like as like I've seen stuff where like five quarterbacks are going to get taken off the board immediately. Like the first five picks are all going to be quarterbacks. That's crazy. That does not happen. Um, yeah. So that would require some trading down and doing whatever. And then I've seen oh well we're gonna. We're, a bunch of teams are going to trade down. Like we're going to get an offensive tackle. He's going to go up high and whatnot. So um, we think uh, that Waddle's going to go first. We think that guy from LSU is going to go. I mean, it's it, it it's crazy. I think in a year where it's very quarterback driven, um, yeah. outside of the number one pick, I don't think anybody really knows what's going to happen um, with the draft. Um, so, but again, the, the lions literally ha- have no linebackers. They have zero linebackers on the roster. Breaking news, breaking news. The lions are signing Khalif Raymond from Tennessee. Hmm. Linebacker wide receiver, wide receiver, okay. flash kick returner. I sounded really dumb. Wow. No, um, you're good. I, I, I didn't open my mouth. I was just like, they'll tell me who it is <laughs> in a second. <laughs> Yeah, I have never heard of this man before. If Me you either. Not, if you could not tell, um, but Chris, do you have a story open, or are you just reading like a tweet? <clears throat> that is six hours ago from. Let me see, SB Nation, and it says Raymond. He's five foot nine. When undrafted out of Holy Cross, twenty sixteen, has been Hey-o. a bit of a journeyman over his first five years in the league he signed with the broncos as a rookie he spent 2017 in new york splitting time between the giants and the jets 2018 he was with the tyson with titans and he's been there for the last three seasons well they need <laughs> over his 
<laughs> Over his first two years in the league, he only had two offensive touches. Sweet. <laughs> so he's solely a return man. So that that fills yeah. up Agnew's role. I mean, Agnew Agnew was I loved Agnew. He was my he was my fan favorite. Um, but they got rid of him, so they just gotta I mean, unfortunately, those guys are a dime a dozen. You can't really like, oh, you are a return guy. Like there's no there's no more Josh Cribs of the NFL. Like you're a return guy, just go in there, maybe do some stuff, don't fumble the ball, and you'll be fine. So that fills that role. It's simply a stopgap. Um, I want to talk about uh Michael uh Brockers. He's the defensive lineman that we got from the Rams. Um, we got him literally for like a seventh round pick, like in like two years or something crazy like that. And then he restructured his contract, so we saved cap it. That that deal was crazy. First off, because like this is a yeah. this is a pretty good player. I think he's like late twenties or early thirties, um, and that kind of solidifies the defensive line at the very least. Because you have to look at what they what they have. Jamie Collins is still on the roster. He could be either. I mean, you could slot him as a linebacker. You could put him on the line, whatever edge rusher. You're going to have the Aquaras. Um, you're going to have a healthy um, Trey Flowers who will be – he's not great, but he's good. Um, and then Brockers who restructured his deal. Um, so I, I guess maybe the best part of their defense will be this defensive line, which is cool. But I want to when, – when Stafford was traded to the Rams, Brockers hadn't come over from the Rams yet. and Rockers had said, "Oh yeah, Stafford is a level up from from Jared Goff." And then Brockers gets traded to Detroit, where he has to yep. be with Goff. <laughs> so like now he's got to backtrack, and he's like, "Like I saw reports, like oh yeah, Brockers apologized for what he said about Goff, and like that's got to be super <clears throat> awkward." But How do you walk into the locker room after that. He like, like, "Ah, my bad, man." Hey. <laughs> about that yeah that's oh, that's tough that is real yeah. tough but yeah i don't oh, know man. other yeah. than that i mean that's that's kind of what we have to hope for we have to hope for the little things with the lions and you know listening to Goff um on his on his presser when he officially got here i, I heard a lot of feedback saying like oh he had a little bit of you know, personality. It wasn't just the, you know, there was the cliche football answers, but you know, there was other, you know, things that, you know, a knock on Stafford that some people would say this, that he was like robotic in some responses. I don't agree with that, but um, there was a slight difference there with, with golf. Um, it's got a little bit of a personality and someone, someone on the sports talk radio compared. It's like Goff's personality isn't going to get in the way of, of football production. Um, and then he compared it to Eric Ebron of all people. And he was like, Eric Ebron's this physical specimen. He's an athlete. He's an athlete. Um, but his personality is going to get in the way of a lot of things. And that's exactly true. Um, yeah. it's what happened here in Detroit. And that's why he got shipped off. Um, point I'm trying to make is you might have a quarterback with a little bit more personality. I don't know how you feel about that, but that personality isn't going to get in the way of things on the field. So I don't know, expect like, I mean, the Lions are going to be bad. Four wins, five wins. I don't know. That'll probably change as we fill out this roster a little bit because I have no clue who's going to play linebacker. You might as well just throw the three of us out there right now. That but would not go well for anybody. No, it would not. Not at I all. I'd have fun. Maybe Chris would be the only one of us that would maybe survive. Yeah, because he's got size. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's just built like that. He. I played. I played two games of actual high school football. <laughs> 
and I was defensive end, and I killed. I actually did really good because I was like top of the top of the league, like for age. But uh, out of boy, I would love to put me a linebacker. I'm ready, Mr. Campbell. This is my official. This is my official resume. I uh, I had a almost a one yard short of a pick six. It was like fifty yards. It was pretty awesome. But uh, that's my resume. That's it. Merrill's laughing. You're hired. I, I got tackled at the one yard line. <laughs> you ran out of steam. I got tackled. No. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Two second. Two second story from Chris. This is my first high school football game. I'm on the line. <clears throat> Hold on, hold on. For those of you who don't know Chris, can we just describe who Chris is in general? Like what he what you look like? Because I don't think people realize that you are the biggest person on this podcast, just height wise and like shoulders. Like you're just a bigger dude. Yeah. Comparatively to the uh, either of us. Yeah. Uh I'm for those of you don't know, I'm six seven and I'm I'm uh two hundred pounds. And uh I uh I can play. I, I can I can hold my own. Uh, it took me a while for me to actually. I don't know. I was really lanky growing up, but as Noel and Corey probably know. But anyways, so get this: first high school football game. I'm on the line, and we have our we had our defensive ends line up like a good couple yards outside of the tackles. So we had we could get like a really good jump on the corner, which was really fun. So my if my first thing was I lined up and I just Hussein Bolt sprint like right right past the line. And it was a uh, it was a a pitch play, and so the wide receiver went and rolled out. So I went and I was flagging on the wide receiver, and so I saw the, as soon as I saw the pitch come, I just took off. And for some odd reason, I picked off right on the pitch, right between the running back and uh, right when the pitch was about to catch it. And I it was at full speed, so I'm like booking it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling super good. I'm sprinting. I'm like head full of steam, and then I get tackled by like the five, and then I reach out, and I try to smack the pylon with the ball, and I missed it by like an inch. I was one inch short of a pick six, but uh, that's my resume. Dan Campbell put me at linebacker. I'm ready. Chris, I'm ready. That's, that's tough. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's, a, that's a tough scene right there. <laughs> his, his one claim to fame. I mean, we could, each of us could probably have some sort of like, just, just barely sports moment. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's my, maybe, maybe that'll be our new segment. Like, like later, like yeah. down the road. Just, so close. Sports moments Un- that were almost good. Unfortunate sports moments featuring whoever that week. Yeah. This week's installment was Chris, whose <laughs> whose lanky frame couldn't die for the end zone. <laughs> oh jeez. Oh, but yeah. All right. What do we What do we think? Should we talk about the Pistons? Let's go yeah. Pistons next. Blake Griffin on the Nets. What did I say? I'm a miracle man. I we, work. We I work were talking magic. about that. <laughs> I feel like that was kind of everybody's decision. Like that everybody knew that, though. bud. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. But look at that. Chris guys. is like, you called something. This thing that I called that everybody else agreed with me on. I got it. <laughs> Unreal. The CNC replay called something and got it right. I feel like we've had some sort of breaking. I feel like yeah. once we talked about for the Tigers, we talked about the Tehran signing. For them, oh yeah, that news didn't break until, like, I, I found it on the Tigers. I know, you know what? I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna cite my sources. No, that never. You never do that. But I found out about that. I said it on the podcast, and then like a week later, like MLB.com was like, "Oh, the Tigers signed Tehran." I'm like, dude, we were way ahead of it. Besides yeah, the point, we knew. 
Chris, we all knew that this was going to happen. Like that was well reported <laughs> that that was going to happen. So <laughs> you well, still, it was fun to see him play for five minutes. That was cool. Yeah. That was really cool. Noel, you sent me, you sent me that thing. Um, uh, the video of Blake Griffin, like when yeah. the Nets were playing the Pistons, like he was cheering for the Pistons, but he forgot he wasn't on the Pistons anymore. Yeah. It was just a little <laughs> clip of Blake sitting on the bench in his sweat still. Cause he wasn't playing yet. And I don't even remember who got, I think it was a layup. I don't even remember who did it, but Blake was like sitting with his arms on his knees. And then the guy got the basket and he like sat up and gave like two claps. And then like nervously, like looked around for like a split second and then went back to original position. I was just like, buddy. (laughs) Oh, that guy. I will, I will say that. um, Just looking at like the stuff, because backtracking everyone saw the nine minute Stafford tribute video correct uh, yes I was crying yeah I, I shed some tears I'm sure Chris I have no did idea not watch it about. oh geez Chris. I sent it to you That's Chris funny. you gotta watch that you gotta you gotta be prepared for this podcast come on <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I, I think it's very evident that um People who spend time in Detroit, athletes who spend time in Detroit, absolutely love their experience in Detroit. I think it's a very rare case where you get a guy's like, I hated it in Detroit. Now, when I mean love it in Detroit, I don't mean like, because everybody on the lines hated Patricia and Quinn, um, but like Stafford gushed over the city of Detroit and how like, you know, fans helped his family, all this stuff. Um and uh, even like Jamal Williams, who just signed with the Lions uh, this week, was like, oh, I've, I'm in love with this place. Like, this is great. I want to, you know, get some Motown records or something like that. I saw that in a tweet. Um, but the sentiment is the same for Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin comes here, um, you know, with the whole situation with the Clippers. And uh, he embraced the city. And I feel like the city embraced him until, you know, production went down and COVID was whatever. So um, and you could even see that with the the contract buyout leaving 13 million on the table. And he's like, hey, like, I want to you know, I don't want to completely, you know, keep you guys in cap hell, but you know, I want to help you out. Um, and even with a little, you know, thing like this, um, him clapping on the bench, um, you know, when the Pistons score and when he's not on the Pistons anymore, like, I feel like, um, I mean, I guess we don't hear about it in any other market cause we're not on any local radio stations, but uh, Detroit is a special place regardless of how you, you know, how outsiders perceive it. And it seems like all the athletes that take part or play here are like, you know what? I really like Detroit. Detroit was cool. The fans were awesome. And I think you get to see that with Blake Griffin, which is really, really nice. Also uh, he had a dunk in that game and it, that was his first dunk since 2019. And that won me $37. <laughs> I bet on that it was boosted. And I'm like, oh, I think Blake Griffin's going to get a dunk. I had no clue that he had not dunked since 2019. Well, <laughs> that's super exciting for you. And my cluelessness helped me out. <laughs> I think one of the things that just in diving into player stories in the last, you know, three years that I've been really into this is it's the players that take the time to embrace the city that it get embraced back sure like i think detroit is a very ride or die kind of city in all four of our sports like if you are a player and you're only here for a year but you take the time to actually like work your work your butt off regardless of how well you actually do but like we can see effort 
and you have a decent attitude while you're out there, like, I feel like the city just embraces you. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can see that with, with folks like Blake Griffin and like with Bobby Ryan, like he, we know he's probably only going to be here for a year, but everybody loves him because of his personality, because he's just come into the team and like tried to do his best on a team. That's not good. Um, And so I think that's maybe the difference is that in Detroit, you kind of have to like win loyalty just a little bit, but once you have it, you have it, you know? So I think that might be the difference for the, the Patricia Quinn thing is that they didn't prove themselves to be what they had been or what they were advertised to be. Sure. And then they gave us just a bunch of coach speak to cover it up. And that doesn't breed loyalty or confidence or anything. So I think that that's probably a little bit of the difference. No, I, I completely agree. I think that's great insight. Um, and to your point, I mean, we really did get a lot of that coach speak from Patricia and Quinn. Um, and it seems like everybody and their mom could tell that they didn't really care about the location. They just really only cared about, you know, having success for their own, you know, personal right. gain. Right. Um, and guys like uh, a Blake Griffin that come here, you know, um, Blake Griffin went from, you know, the beaches of, of LA to the city of Detroit, which is vastly different. Um, but he didn't, you know, just stick his head in the ground and say, I don't want to be here. Um, he, he went out there and competed and, um, he, he made a, I think NBA all pro third team. I've talked about that before. Um, and he really did embrace, you know, I'm going to try my best here. And really <laughs> just the state of Detroit sports, all we're asking for is some effort. And, yeah, and, for real. And I think you see that with Blake Griffin. You saw that even with his injuries here. He was like, I physically cannot be on the court, but I'm going to be on the court because I'm going to try. And you see that with a Bobby Ryan, uh, you know, having like um, this weird, you know, you know, struggling with addiction and all this stuff and, you know, overcoming that. And then coming here, he's like, you know, I'm here to play. I'm here to compete. I want to have some fun. And the city has embraced him for that. Um, so I don't know, just seeing a guy like Blake Griffin having some success, getting dunks and, you know, going to a team that's actually good into a role that fits him best. You can't help but root for the guy. And uh, I, I, I love Blake Griffin. We love Blake Griffin. That's, that's, that's mostly our Pistons segments have been about Blake Griffin and just saying how much we love Blake Griffin and, or Jeremy Grant, um, but warms the heart. That's our, that's our heartwarming section for uh, this week's episode, <laughs> I guess. Is Did Blake you want to touch real briefly on the trade deadline, which is rapidly approaching? Yeah, no. Uh, Wayne Ellington is the name that he's going to, he's going to get dished yeah. somewhere. Um, yeah. I, I saw, I mean, he's kind of been popping off a little bit. Uh, I think last week he scored like 25 points against the the Raptors in a win. Um, so I think it, I, I've been From reading. What I've seen. Yeah. He's the only player that they're like actively shopping that like, I've seen that the, the rookies and Jeremy Grant are not up for offers, but everybody Absolutely else is not. kind of, you know, whoever you can take whoever, but it has to be the right offer. But Wayne Ellington's the only one that I've seen like, Oh, we're attaching. We want a second for him. Like that's what we want. This is, we won't go lower than that. So he's the only person on the roster that I've seen that actual like price tag on. Mm -hmm. I think it would make the most sense for him to get shipped off. I mean, he's only on a one year deal. Um, And given the certain, you know, 
cap situations of teams. Um, I, I, his contract, he's making $2.75 million, which is nothing. Um, and he's a pretty productive player coming off the bench on any team. I mean, he's, he's been up and down starting, um, you know, for us. Um, but I mean, <laughs> just seeing all these big trades, I mean, look at what, uh, the Nets gave up for Harden. I mean, they, they basically gave up eight for, I'm not comparing James Harden to Wayne Ellington. I'm not stupid. Um, but these guys are just throwing away picks. Could you get more for Wayne Ellington? Maybe, I don't know, but like, it's, it almost seems like teams don't even care about second round picks. So of course, I think you're going to get that. Maybe, maybe you can even get another player in return. Like the, the Pistons did with the, the Svee deal. Um, uh, to get Diallo. Um, so I, I haven't checked on him. I know I was, I was talking about him, uh, last week. I want to, I want to pull up his stats, um, a little bit here. Um, but yes, I agree. Um, Wayne Ellington will be gone. I've seen some things that the Pistons are going to be quiet. <laughs> I, I saw one article. It's like, Oh, Pistons will most likely be quiet, but be prepared for fireworks just in case. And it's like, well, take a stance. Like, yeah. like what, what do you, what do you believe? Uh, so um, chances are I'll be warm, but bring a winter jacket. You never know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think he has Diallo has yet to play for the Pistons. Um, so no timetable for his return. Um, Diallo's missed the last nine games due to a right groin strain and has been unable to suit up for his new team. Yep. So that stinks. But again, he's 24. I'm excited about him. I hope he gets a hope he gets healthy because we're gonna need him. Um, but yeah, Wayne Ellington will be gone if he's not. Then that's kind of a head scratcher. Depending since like uh, the Pistons GM has been the best GM in the city of Detroit, hands down. And you know how I feel about certain certain team GMs in this city. We do. We got a whole rant last week. <laughs> don't get don't get my blood boiling again. No, we're not talking about the Tigers right now. Actually, we could we could talk about the Tigers right now. Well, we I mean, we're just we can now. mention real quick that Killian Hayes is up to come back in yes. the next couple Ooh, weeks, which that's is good. super exciting. Yes. I mean, he's watching all of his his other rookie counterparts go off and, and have really big years for the most part, all of them. And the poor guy's just been sitting in recovery for the last, what, two and a half months? Yeah. Yeah. That's a bummer. People, I've, I've heard through the grapevine that people are like, Oh, he's a bust. Blah, 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 blah. This, this, I know. And that. it's like, well, he played four games and he's like 12 years old. So like, let's, let's <laughs> pump the brakes here. Let's give him a second guys. Jeez. Yeah. I don't get it. Don't um, know. what tigers? I think we can do tigers. Let's do yeah, tigers. I'm down. Um, Matt Boyd opening day starter. Mm-hmm. Not much of a shocker. Um, yeah, really. And, this is Matt this is going hard. the Tigers for a long time, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's he, been. A, I I remember I remember having his baseball card when I was like, I feel like I was pretty young. That was that he was from the David Price deal. Oh, okay, never mind. We had a never mind. I'm I'm misplacing him with another Boyd. My my apologies. <laughs> I don't think the Sorry. Tigers had another Boyd. I think I'm Matt pretty was sure the they did. Boyd. I'm pretty sure they did. Sorry, well, go I'll ahead. Well, you research that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, that's, that's the, that's the slam dunk move. They're not going to have anybody else start on opening day, but him, um, the biggest thing is cause Matt Boyd is the most confusing pitcher in baseball. 
Um, he doesn't throw very hard. He's a left-handed pitcher, so you, for whatever reason, you get a pass um, for not throwing very hard um, in Major League Baseball. Um, he doesn't throw very hard, but he strikes a ton of people out. Like he's one of the best strikeout pitchers in the American League, which is crazy from a left-handed pitcher who tops out at 93 miles an hour, which 93 sounds fast to the average person, but is not in the grand scheme of things. Um, but so he's got this, you know, he's a left-handed specialist. He strikes a bunch of people out, but he he gives up so many home runs. And he had like an ERA of like six last year. And he would just he would he would walk somebody and then immediately just give up a 480-foot home run. Um so not good. No, no one, no one likes no. to see that. Um, but it, it, it's, it's a little frustrating just to see him like show signs of brilliance. Cause like he struck out like 11 Yankees a couple of years ago in Yankee stadium, which if, in case you haven't noticed is a sandbox. Like, <laughs> yeah. like if you yeah. put me on the Yankees, I could hit 20 home runs. Just, and just, just pull the ball. I mean, if that is a major league baseball field to, to left and right field is like 314. That's nothing. <laughs> Please explain it comparatively to those who don't know what that means. So I played on Little League field. Like it, there's a Little League field that's right down the street from my house right now. Their left, their dead left and dead right center, or right center, their dead left and dead right field fences are 325 feet away from home plate Mm -hmm. that is a little league field or i guess regular city league softball whatever you want to call it a major league stadium is 10 feet closer to home plate and it's like oh like oh it's probably the orioles right like they suck so they need no it's the new york freaking yankees the like the second highest payroll in baseball I, so I hate that place. It, it drives me crazy, but that's a tangent. We don't need to talk about it. Um, so Matt Boyd shows signs of brilliance. And then he also shows signs like get this guy off the mound. Like, I don't understand why he's pitching. Um, so I guess the biggest thing was to see if he could limit those home runs. And in, he's been pretty effective in the, in the, in the spring. I mean, you, again, you can only take so much from the spring, but he's limited home runs um, in just about every multi-inning outing he's had he's only given up one run albeit from a home run but his strikeout numbers are still there he's limited the walks um and he's i guess gotten back down to earth so if matt boyd can be can still put up his strikeout numbers still throw or top out at 93 miles an hour and limit his home runs and he can be i mean the the bar is so low which is really unfortunate that the bar is so low but if he can be if he can be if he can hover at an ERA of around four or lower, that's a success story. Cause I think you'll win a lot, a lot of games if he's hovering in that area. Um, so, and plus he can kind of go deep into games a little bit too. So he's got some longevity there. So Matt boy is the most deserving um, out of anybody. And I think we touched on this earlier with them going with a longer with, with a, uh, a six man rotation instead of a five. I think that helps the the young guys too. Um, and Tehran has been really good this spring. I thought he was going to be really good this spring and I'm really excited to see what he can do. Um, Cause you could easily slip him in as your number two starter. And I think you could flip him for something good at the deadline. I just had this thought. What if 
because starting pitching come playoff time is is what everybody is searching for um in the playoff hunt <laughs> what if Tehran has a a good like a, a year where he's 350 era um doesn't walk very many people you know he's not much of a strikeout pitcher but he's an effective pitcher on a one-year deal what if you trade him to a contender and you get more in return for julio Tehran than you do justin verlander that would be a story that would be you could that would, probably you could probably pay someone who didn't have any legs and probably got something better for justin verlander <laughs> well you see that's the problem that's the problem i could see i could see that happening like the tigers trade Tehran, uh, albeit if something amazing doesn't happen and then they they're going to be bad which they will um but the guy who would have to trade Tehran is the same guy who traded Verlander. So you see this dilemma. Yeah. You see it. So we're in this rebuild and I can't be comfortable with any of these pieces that we're going to trade because it's the same guy is in charge of trading these pieces as the guy who traded your most valuable piece you ever had as a trade piece. You get, you get what I'm saying. You understand? I absolutely, I, I totally get it. I totally get it. Do you think that, Say he does make a trade. He trades Tehran. You get something better. That Illiches are like, hey, you know what? Something doesn't add up here. We should probably get rid of this guy. Is that well? If that, what if that, what if that was the straw that broke the camel's back? The like a, a poor return on yeah. Tehran. This is this is all so like a better like like a better like a better turnaround on Tehran. And then you look back at the Verlander trade. And you're like, wow, he's just he's absolute trash. Yeah, he, they should have fired him four years ago. <laughs> I mean, I would you imagine if that was if that was it? If like if that's the straw that broke the Calum's back was was how like one trade that should have gone not as good as Justin Verlander, and then you get something back for Justin Verlander. Maybe they'll realize it. Maybe they'll realize how dumb they are if they don't realize it now. Because if, I, I don't see how they don't realize it. That's praise be is like praise be. I don't I don't care how it happens. I don't care what what happens. Is if you get rid of that guy, if you get rid of Alavila. Happy day. I don't care. Yeah. Then you can move yeah. forward as an organization. But until you get rid of him, you will not. You will be hearing like those little party, party squealers go off and confetti at the CNC replay as soon as that happens. Oh, my gosh. We'll have a part. We'll have a I'll throw a block party. I'll bring in like bring out taco. the Martinelli. I'll bring out a taco truck. It's like, what are you celebrating for? Oh, Alavila got fired. <laughs> Like that's kind of dark, don't you think? No, you don't understand. Yeah, we could invite Justin and see what happens. Maybe he'll show. Yeah, up. he'd probably be like, "Yeah, I don't understand how I got traded for that little either." Um, <laughs> there is something I want to talk about. Um, I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with spring training. Uh, Akil Badu mm-hmm. is the second coming of Babe Ruth. Apparently, has been, has been having a time. Oh my word! And the Tigers. If you can say one nice thing about Alavila and one nice thing only is that he's had some success with the Rule Five draft. I don't know how, and it's not Alavila. It's going to be the scouts. I'll give all credit to the scouts. So let's just say. So I don't so know good things about Alavila. No, I, I will say I will say Alavila is a good listener to his scouts. Say, hey, you need to get this guy, and he's like, oh, okay, which is also bad because if you can't make an own, your own decision either, then that's also bad. So you're so. 
So Congrats. backhanded compliments all over the place. Correct. So congratulations to the scouts um, because Akil Badu is 23 years old, hasn't Two. played above 22 years old, even better. 22 years old, hasn't played above a ball. He had Tommy John surgery and was co- recovering from it um, last year. And so he was the Tigers pick for the rule five and he took him for the twins organization. And this man has been playing like, like no tomorrow. Like he, he's just been playing his best baseball ever. And I he leads the Tigers in all offensive categories this spring. So, and the, the thing for the rule five, I guess you can get a mini crash course here. The rule five draft is when there's a prospect that's been in the, uh, a minor league system for so long. And if they aren't on the 40 man roster, um, then they're available for this this draft that happens every year uh, for baseball teams, and I I don't know how many rounds it is. It's kind of mysterious. There's not a whole lot of you know information on it, but teams get to pick different players from different organizations, um, and they have to stay on the major league roster. So the major league roster and the 40 man are different things, um, but they have to stay on the active major league roster for the entirety of the season. Otherwise they get sent back to the organization that they were made from. Make sense. Wow. So, so there was very Reyes. Yeah, no, it's a really cool thing. Um, and kind of gives some opportunity for some players that may have not may have been overlooked or may have not been ready for major league baseball play to get kind of their time in the line in the limelight. But um, Victor Reyes was a rule five uh, pick uh, for the Tigers uh, a couple of years ago. And he, when he was, <laughs> when he was on the team, he was not ready. He was, he was buns. He was so bad. He had some tools. He was kind of fast, played pretty good defense, um, but he could not hit to save his life. Since then, he's been an incredibly productive hitter gets on base, doesn't strike out a whole lot, you know, can is a sneaky good base runner, um, and he plays great defense. Um, rule five pick. So with Akil having this success, they're thinking, whoa, the Tigers are kings of the rule five draft. Um, so the point I'm trying to make, Akil's going to be, he's going to make this roster. He's going to be on the team for the full year, but this is creating a controversy because the Tigers signed outfielders Robbie Grossman and Nomar Mazzara um, uh, to major league deals this year. And are most likely going to keep those guys. So the problem here is that it's taboo to keep five outfielders on your major league roster at any given time. I don't know why that is. I mean, I guess you want to have more pitchers. I understand that. And then usually you have a super utility guy that can play everywhere, which is Goodrum. Um, so technically Goodrum was your be your fifth outfielder. Um, but I've I've looked on chat rooms and stuff that's like, Oh, we're going to send, we're going to cut an outfielder or or we're going to send one down. And so I've, I've heard that we're going to send Reyes or Jacoby Jones down to the minors to make room for a keel. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense, especially I am so against sending Reyes down because this is a kid who has paid his dues. He's been, he's arguably been one of your most productive hitters on this team. And you're going to send him down just because you have another rule five draft pick. And because you sign too many outfielders, that doesn't make any sense. Jacoby is your best defensive outfielder yeah. um, by far. He's quick. He gets hurt a lot, so who cares? But still. Um, and then uh, you're not going to cut Robbie Grossman or Nomar Mazar. So my question is, why is it so taboo to keep a fifth outfielder? Yeah. I truly don't have an answer for you. Right. So I, I, I'm just saying, if you're – you. I could get that you want to give the guy playing time, you know, opportunity to, you know, um, you know, see major league at bats, but you know, Akil's not going to play every day. 
And even when he's going to play, he's going to struggle. And he's he's only 22 years old. So if he comes here and you keep him on the roster for a full year, then you get to have him and then you get to send him up and down to the levels. So I don't know, just buffer him, give him a give him a couple at bats every like three games or something like that, and just suck it up because yeah. what's what's the what's the advantage of the Tigers keeping an extra bullpen arm over you know a Reyes, a Jacoby Jones, or I mean, Akil's not going anywhere, but I guess the question is, what's what's the advantage of keeping another bullpen arm over Jacoby or Reyes at the time? I don't think there is. The Tigers are already no. going to be not very good. Um, and, yeah, I just uh, it just doesn't make any sense why this is such a controversy. Just keep five outfielders and get rid of a bullpen arm because there's, there's some bullpen arms that we have that aren't worth anybody's time. Um, I think Derek Holland's going to make it. He's been really productive. Uh you maybe send Jimenez down. He's kind of getting ripped. Buck Farmer is okay. And then you've got a couple of guys that you had last year that are questionable. Um, if you send one of those guys down, I really wouldn't bat an eye. I'd be like, okay, fine. Let him, yeah. let him get some more seasoning. But um, the point is Akil Badu, rookie of the year, AL MVP, World Series MVP. That's That's my point. For those, for those who don't know, Akil Badu so far in spring training has had 32 at-bats, a 344 batting average. Not bad. Not bad at all. Four home runs, nine RBIs, and three stolen bases. So that's pretty dandy, I will admit. That is pretty good. dandy. Not bad. That is pretty good. Oh, man. So that's what? Awesome. Now on to our favorite part of the show. Unbiased, our beloved Detroit Red Wings, and honestly, they we knew the Red Wings weren't going to be very good. We knew, I mean, other than myself, we knew they weren't going to compete. Um, but I think now, and even you know, if you listen to any of the post game stuff with Mickey and Ken Daniels, they're talking, they're playing pretty good hockey right now i mean robbie fabry mm-hmm. like i said you put him on a wing he's gonna score has been because the ho- that's what that's what he's supposed to do that's what he's supposed to do Not, hottest, yeah hottest i'm sorry i keep cutting you off noel no, no, hottest man on the planet four goals in two games um well actually no four goals in three games because we got shut out uh, against mm-hmm. the stars the other night yes um <laughs> but he's hot and on fire um Larkin has been playing stellar. Uh, Mantha seems to be giving a little bit more effort. And we finally got Chalowski coming up and playing I on know. the defensive Woo! end. Like, Really, the only bummer is that Svech got healthy scratched for that other other game that he was up for. That's because... That's a whole nother just thing that i don't think i I think we're we've pretty much exhausted that argument yeah we don't have Um, to go back to that that's just i want to point out that i'm mad right no i we're all mad we agree we we stand in solidarity with you noel because it's just dumb why he doesn't play thank you um but uh you're 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 seeing the progress that we were told we were going to have at the beginning of the year. Um, They're stringing together games. It's not just like, Oh, we played really good for one game and then we sucked for a week. No. I mean, we were able again, going back to the lightning shorthanded or not able to take three or four from that. And then we win another game after that uh, against the stars. Um, 
and then we're playing Nashville tonight, who we always play really tough against. Um, I, I'm, dare I say, have a little bit of hope for the future. And even uh, I was looking on the hockey subreddit of the Dylan Larkin uh, goal, he or not goal, assist, um, where, where he went coast to coast. It was beautiful. Just just dares people to catch him. And then he just dumps it off the Fabry and he just, you know, he's not easy goal, but you know, just lays it in. Um, somebody was saying like, like for this Larkin assist for Detroit is like what Edmonton fans get to see for Connor McDavid every night. So like, <laughs> like it wasn't comparing the two players by any means, but like Larkin has a lot of talent. And unfortunately, because of the team isn't as great, he doesn't get to, we don't get to see that talent explode because everything is focused on him uh, and whatnot. But if we can get some more production from those other lines, then you're going to have to take some pressure off of him and let him shine. Because that was one of those times where, you know, Larkin found some space and he took it and good things happened for the Red Wings. Um, I have one thing I'd like to say. Um, I was listening to I, I've been listening to a lot of Detroit sports talk radio, which is good, but is also bad for me. Um, somebody was saying that Dylan Larkin is a third line center at best. Like on a lot of on a contending Whoa. team, it's uh, just a third. Like his his ceiling is a third line center, which Incorrect. is which is false. Like, do I think like do I think that he would be a number one C on a team like the Lightning? No, maybe not. No. No. no, but is it third? No, no, he's not a third line center. No, uh, may, <laughs> maybe on the light, but that's because the lightning just have talent off, off the wazoo. There are, there okay, are, fair. there are two, maybe three teams where Larkin would be a third line center for them. And that, that's, I, I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Larkin Larkin isn't an elite goal scorer. We all know this, but he's an elite defender and he is an elite playmaker. It's just that, you know, the pieces around him don't necessarily have all the talent. Um, but to say that he is a third line center is ridiculous. A, a buddy of mine texted me and like, he's been casually watching the Red Wings. He saw that. He saw that Larkin assist and he's like, OMG, Dylan Larkin is so good. And the rest of the hockey world was taking those. OMG, Dylan Larkin is so good. Dylan Larkin is a good player. He's a great player. And, and has been, but you know, with being on a 31 uh place team, you're not gonna get recognized in the way that uh Nathan McKinnon or a Leon Dreisaitl or a Connor McDavid are. Like they're no. you're just not. No. I think well, so here here's here we go with that. Um Edmonton would probably be one of the teams that Dylan Larkin would be a a, a third line center just because Edmonton could have McDavid as the number one center and Drysidle is the no- McDavid and Drysidle are number one and number two as far as best players in the NHL right now. Mm-hmm. So, I agree. okay, he's the third line center there. I get that. Colorado, Dylan Larkin's the number two. Yep. Yeah. Because McKinnon's not a center. Uh, Landis Gog is, I think, he, Landis Gog's your number one and, and Rantanen is the other winger on that team. He's your number two. That is a West contending team. Okay. Vegas is full of elite scoring wingers. I think Larkin would easily be number two there. Um, Larkin's number one in Anaheim. I don't care what anybody says. Larkin would be number two in LA because Kopitar is there. Um, Larkin's probably number three in Toronto. Um, Maybe. 
I don't know, but you could you might be able to shift him up to the up to a wing. Uh, yeah. He's number one in New York, maybe. What is Wait, that? Islanders or Rangers? Rangers. I think yeah. Barzal's a center. So. Both, really. Yeah, because um, Zabenejad is their is their number one center, but I think I think he could compete for number one center. I just don't understand where you get that claim from. I, I, I really don't at all. You either are just looking at the numbers or you're trying, or to, be you negative. Are, or you're trying to be negative. Like if you haven't watched like what he does on a daily light, daily night, if you don't watch his games for the actual video and not for the stats, yeah, you don't see what he's doing and the motor that he has behind him and the chances that he creates. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. He's, he's, he is a, he's not the, he's not a caliber player of Zetterberg. He's not a caliber player of Datsuk. We all kind of knew that, but he's definitely right behind those guys. I would agree. And that's not, I don't think that's an over exaggeration. No, I'm with you. Yeah. So any, any, any Lark and slander will not be tolerated on this podcast. Not allowed. We're not arguing that he is the best center in the league. We're just arguing that he deserves some recognition. Um, here's a here's a question. How long do you think it will take before Dylan Larkin is no longer the number one center in Detroit? Do you think it'll ever happen? Or do you think in a couple of years we'll see some of our young studs who are going to be blowing up, taking over that role? I think it'll be late in his career. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I think even when Zetterberg was still here, he could barely skate. He was our number one center. Yeah, I mean, Zetterberg, the end of Zetterberg's career was a little different than hopefully what Dylan, the end of Dylan Larkin's career is going to oh, look like. Sure, Absolutely. in terms of where the team is, I mean. Absolutely, because um, I mean, I love like Zetterberg. I think will always forever be my favorite player, just because he was he was small. But once he got the puck, you could not get it from Zetterberg. Mm-hmm. I mean, he slipped a little bit in his old age, but still like Zetterberg was freaking awesome. Um, but he, he was, even when he couldn't skate on one knee, he was pumping 30 minutes a night. I mean, that's yeah. just, that is warrior status. Um, so I, I could see the same for Larkin. I don't think Larkin's going to go anywhere. We're not going to trade him, No, you know, just the hometown, whatever. Um, so I, Larkin's here to stay. Um, that's an obvious given. Um, but as far as longevity goes, yeah, I think he'll, I think he'll follow the same suit as Zetterberg. He'll be the number one center until until the end of his career. Hopefully that means a cup. Right. Hope, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, best case scenario, Larkin does get bumped down to a 2C. Like, That'd be awesome. Right? You know, you, we want yeah. that talent to, to continue to flow in. And if he can be productive and be good at that 2C spot while a younger guy takes the 1C spot, great. That's two scoring lines. Wonderful. We need yeah. that. Absolutely. And I think you'll get that. Uh, I think Rasmussen is, is playing well. Um, playing tonight. Yeah. He's playing tonight. Um, and it's just going to take some time. Cause I, I, I've been saying this from the beginning. Rasmussen just needs to get some NHL experience under his belt. He's a big body. And once he finally Mm -hmm. figures out how to use it, um, he'll be pretty effective. Um, and then we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we have centers out the wazoo coming up. We, we have, we have no idea what's going to happen with Valeno. Like Valeno was some guy that yeah. kind of just fell to us and was like, Hey, we'll take him and uh, been very productive in uh, overseas. Um, Raymond can play center. He, I know he was drafted as, as a wing. Um, 
but um, you know, it's kind of seems like he'll be a Swiss army knife with wherever he goes. Rasmussen is naturally a center. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. We're going to have, we're going to have another, you know, at least top five pick this year. I think, I hope, I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of that, do you want to jump into the draft rule changes? Um, I know they voted on them. Um, yep, do, they got approved. They, yeah. Were they, do we know what the rules are? Um, yet? I don't know. I don't know that we have like a full write up of them, but the two like specifics that we were given is that there's the restriction placed on teams winning the lottery spot more than twice in a five year span. Um, that rule will go into effect in 2022, and previous lottery victories won't be affected by it. Um, so, like, once we hit 2022, everybody has a blank slate in terms of uh, lottery wins. Um, so that's one part of it. And then starting this year, only the top two picks, uh, will be awarded by lottery as opposed to the top three in recent years, which stops us, us being Detroit stops teams from falling, uh, more spots. Thank goodness. Which is what we have struggled with in the past. So I think that that's, that piece specifically is what I'm excited about. Um, do I think it's as radical as we could have gone and as good as it could have been? No, but it's the NHL and radicals not in their vocabulary. Yeah. Do I think it's yeah. better than what we have? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I would I, agree. I think, I think for Detroit fans, we just have to be happy. We're not, we're still not going to win the lottery. I think we have. No. To oh no. Happy. We're still going to get screw, screwed over. That's but completely going to happen. We won't fall farther than we're supposed to be. Right. Yeah. Also, I mean, is this going to be the fifth year where we've had a pick in the top six? Is this number four or number five? Because uh, I think because I know. Um, I think it's four. Number four. Four. It's hard to complain about that from our, from my end going in. Like I, as a, as a newer Wings fan, I mean, all I've seen is 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 really. How would you say it? I call them low draft picks for us, where where you get the, a top five. Yeah, that's nice. I like I like seeing that. We're more than likely going to get that again this year. If we get a top two, top three pick, I think that's the turnaround point. Like I don't see how after that we're not, especially after this season. I don't see how after this season that we're actually get, like I think this is the last time to capitalize on a really good kid in the draft, and then. From there, hopefully, I mean, I mean, we have arguably one of the best prospect scouts with Chris Draper, but I don't, I don't see how. I, I have a feeling that this is going to be our last year that we're going to get a top six pick. Good, and so I think we should. I know, and good, and I think we, should, I think we need to make the most of it. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think helps on the way, and I think with yeah. the encouraging signs that we're seeing from Red Wings play right now, um, we can only trend up and. <laughs> And with, you know, Zadina making improvements, and we talked about that in last week's show, um, with Rasmussen, you know, coming through, and then also just the new plethora of guys, because we're going to see Cider next year. We're yep. hopefully going to see Volano next year, um, and then get Helm off the books, maybe get rid of Nielsen, um, and, uh, you know, just some of these other just not albatross, but just these old guys that we don't need on the team anymore. Just get rid of those guys. We're going to be better. It's yeah. just, it's just, we Instant. have to, tr- we just have We're to trust it into the universe. <laughs> we have to trust the eyes are playing. 
Right. Yeah. Because what we don't want to do is end up like Buffalo. There's that's we can't we can't talk about that right now. The show. There's too much. Holy cow. There's there. Like the quickest sentence we can give is that they were supposed to be contenders and or just in the playoffs this year. And they are nowhere near that. I think 14, 14 straight losses. Yeah. Like what? 14 straight. Yeah. They're currently 31. 14 straight losses. And that's just like they signed Taylor Hall with the idea that they were going to go play somewhere, go go play for something. Nope. Don't worry. We'll take even, how we'll, did that take we'll take Hall. We'll take Eichel. Olofsson. Sure, just give us all your guys. You know, we'll just here. Both the Rasmuses. We'll just we'll just we'll just take we'll just take we'll just we'll just absorb the Buffalo franchise and then hopefully we can create a super team. <laughs> the Buffalo Wild Wings. There it is. <laughs> All right, I think that's all I got. I think that's all I got too. Yeah. <sighs> unless, well, unless no one else has some closing remarks. I have no closing remarks. I hope we win tonight. I think we're gonna. Because <sighs> that shutout was not fun. No, it was not. Yeah. Mm. Like what? I mean, you can say about the Red Wings now is at least it's fun to watch again. Like even watching the shutout, it was boring as heck. But I mm-hmm. still didn't feel like I was watching somebody slowly fall downhill into a dumpster fire. Correct. That was last year. That was last year. Now it just feels like they're slowly rolling downhill in those games. Not into the dumpster fire, just, you know, landing on flat surface. I don't know. Oh, yeah. That got away from me. (laughs) Oh, geez. Well, from all of us at the CNC replay, thank you very much for listening again. Uh, We appreciate you very much. See ya. Bye. Hey, everybody. This is Noelle. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the CNC Replay. Please subscribe and rate us five stars as it really helps us out. And give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at CNC Sports Pod. We'll see you next week.